Discover the Mediterranean secret to optimal health and longevity with GMT 23 Greek Mountain Tea from Terry Naturally. These capsules are stronger than a cup of brewed tea and support overall health, including liver health, digestion, and cognitive function. Now for the first time ever, this botanical is available in supplemental form in the United States. Find GMT 23 Greek Mountain Tea at your local health food store or terrynaturalvitamins.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Bland Judy Garland, Freddie Mercury, Ella Fitzgerald, even Janis Joplin with a dash of Sandra Bernard, and you come close to the glory of our guest today, singer-songwriter Veronica Swift. Now, having made her mark on the international jazz scene as one of the star vocalists of her era, Veronica Swift has now expanded her style, establishing herself as a skilled rock and soul singer as well as a dynamic performer. Now, her third album coming in September, self-titled Veronica Swift, will venture into mixing jazz and classical with rock, soul, and funk, paying homage to the greats like Janis Joplin, David Bowie, even Jimi Hendrix, and Duke Ellington. Veronica's ability to transcend the different styles and fully embody them with the originality to tell a story makes her one of the most skillful singers in any genre and displays her theatrical approach as a performer and artist. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome the lioness of jazz, a woman with a voice that blazes her own trail and takes no prisoners, the one and the only Veronica Swift. Welcome to the show. Oh man, thanks so much for having me. As, as I mentioned, this has been, knowing that the guest you've had, this is a true uh, honor to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, when, when I was pitched, you, I immediately, I said, yes, no questions asked. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, I must, I want to kind of step back in time here because I realized and did a little bit of research that both your parents were jazz artists. Uh, what was it like growing up in a musical household? Well, I know a lot of people ask that question expecting to hear like, oh, it was so exciting. And there was this person coming in and, you know, Bob Duro was just Uncle Bob and when you're a kid, it's like learning a language. You know, you grow up in the culture. It doesn't, you don't think twice about it. It's uh, only after the fact when you've had, you know, built your career up to a certain point that you look back and say, man, that was really special. But in the moment, it's just life. It's just like, oh, you know, my mom sings jazz. My dad's a bebop piano player and bebop is the, the language in our household. And I grew up in green rooms and jazz clubs all over the country and world. And um, I slept in a bass case one time in Holland when I was about seven. So yeah, Judy Garland was born in a trunk. I slept in a bass case. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, the, the fun part was just getting to sing and um, play music with my parents. That was our special language that we shared. And Well, I'm going to get into the bebop thing here in a moment, because now that you've kind of given us the hint to where that came from, uh, what did you uh, learn about music from your parents? So a lot of people may assume that they, my parents were my teachers. Um, and yes, they were in a certain way, but not like in the way you sit down and have piano lessons with your dad. Or, you know, when you're a kid, you know, your mom, my mom would try to maybe give me little hints here and there. And when you're a kid, you're like, mom, just stop, stop. You know, <laughs> you can't take lessons from your parents. It's just, it's like, uh, but what they taught me was more like an osmosis kind of thing where I'm just merely in their presence and absorbing how they work, watching and learning through, yeah, like 
kind of like monkey see monkey do you know they are the way they program music uh having been on the road watching how they handle certain things on the road and issues that come up with musicians or travel and uh also just big lessons in humility i mean my parents they did it for the love of the music my mom was a banker on wall street and fell in love with my dad some jazz piano player left her job on wall street and became a jazz singer i mean they did it because they loved each other and they loved the music and that's kind of the greatest lesson of all is it's taught me how to come back to that no matter what happens in life well you know for you it's it's like you know as we all grow up as children you know we, we learn how to walk we learn how to talk you know we're around our parents and picking up certain habits and attributes yeah. you were literally picking up music yeah. uh, in your own household <laughs> and just blending in and, and it just be, did it really become second second nature to you yeah i mean you know bebop and jazz and whatever genres these are like languages notes are like uh words they mean nothing on their own really unless you put them in the context of a sentence or a musical phrase and so lines sentences like the rhythmic the melodic content it that stuff was innate you know because i heard my dad playing it all the time and my mom scatting and it wasn't music that i personally sought after i wasn't seeking to play bebop because it was always there my passion was baroque music classical music rock and roll and theater and all these other genres that i i knew i had to figure out how to set my life up because i had started performing uh, professionally at nine years old singing jazz um, kind of like, you know, born into the business, but I really wanted to sing other genres too. It's not like either or, and that's something that I'm really, really honored I get to do now is combine it all together, but in an elegant kind of sophisticated way that it's still just celebrating good music. Well, I can actually see some of your influences, especially things, someone like Freddie Mercury and David Bowie, uh, because they were very theatrical in the way that they performed. Now, uh, Freddie was on a whole different level when it came to performing because everybody knew when he opened up his mouth to sing, that is Freddie Mercury. But he had the theatrical side to him. And then there was a little bit of difference when it came to David Bowie. Uh, it was very theatrical early on, uh, but we don't think of David Bowie as being the voice, so to speak, because, you know, if somebody, if we all held a poll right now and said, who's the greatest front man there ever was, Freddie Mercury would probably be number one. Yeah, definitely one of them, or Steven Tyler, I don't know. Yeah, there's a, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, it's like, who's better, elephants, Gerald or Billy Holiday? <laughs> like, yeah, well, what did just, you, what did you learn from people like that, that, uh, well, especially like Freddie and, and Dave, you know, they, they front, well, of course, Freddie fronted a band, David, David was a solo artist, but what did you pull from them to add to your own repertoire? Well, um, I don't look at things like genre based because as you know, like Queen has recorded songs that are like kind of Tin Pan Alley and also like the classical element. I mean, I don't, and Nina Simone has classical and all these different genres in her, her music. It's just her genre is Nina Simone. Her, their genre is Queen. And that's probably the first and foremost, um, you know, element that I was aspiring to do with my music. Uh, and it's, you know, it's forever a journey. You don't ever attain any kind of, you know, nirvana. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah. Well, who was your, who was your biggest musical influence? Not I counting mean, your parents. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say queen, honestly. And that goes not just musical, but as a performer and and um, an influence regarding how to approach artistry. And that's another important uh, element to discuss is because uh, there's a, like for a while, like Queen has always been my biggest influence, Freddie and their approach and Brian May, how he wrote music. Uh, and a lot of times in my jazz trio setting, um, I was bringing that to the music. The energy was there. Maybe not the rock and roll guitars or the singing, that kind of singing, but that energy was there. And that really like digging into like rock and roll and even metal music, like industrial and hard rock, like Marilyn Manson, like understanding the, the extremities of all the kinds of emotions and how to put it, that edge into jazz music was what kind of propelled my jazz career, if you think about it. it's It wasn't until I started experimenting with rock and roll and getting into that phase, really digging into the subtleties and intricacies of it, that my jazz career actually started and my singing started to get better. So they all inform each other, you know? They do. And it's funny because I think back, because I, I remember I uh, I sat on front row for Queen. Gosh, and, I'm so jealous. Oh. And to see Freddie perform and 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 then and, and I watched I watched many of your your videos and I can see the parallels between both of you. There's the voice. There's this um confidence there's this attitude in a positive sense because you you have there's a little bit of there's a little bit of acting you know that a performer has to bring forth and and i love the fact that here you are known as a jazz singer but you bring in elements that are far beyond any other jazz singer. look if if we just said oh she's a jazz singer most people would think okay she's standing in a nightclub and she's wearing a gown and some fancy dress that's what singing. i used to do yeah i mean i used to do that and it was just so limiting and i like that sometimes but it's like there's a spectrum you know beautiful colors to play with why not play with all of them yeah and, and you know it's funny because your stage performances when i watch them they're a cross between freddie mercury janice joplin then Immediately, you could change and become Judy Garland or Ella Fitzgerald with the next song. I mean, for you, how did you shape your stage performances? Yeah, um, and this is this show that you've you're referencing has just been like the past two or three years. Um, so during COVID, I really had because we were all just you know trying to figure out what the next phase of our lives would be like. Uh, for me, I knew this was a chance to find, this is like now or never. If I'm gonna do this, I've gotta do this now. This is the opportunity to restructure, not my just my show, but my life, um, to perform and sing music and write music, you know, to show the world like the full Veronica. Um, I think any of us as human beings can hope to do that in our lives. Uh, that's what I hope this record inspires people to do. But it was a challenge. First challenge was to find the right musicians that could play authentically in all these genres. And that's a tall order. Can my piano is Adam Klippel, like, hey, can you play Chopin? Cool. Can you play bebop? Cool. Can you play like gospel church organ? Cool. Like, <laughs> It's a tall order. And then the second thing was um, structuring it for a live show to make it work. And for me, what I found is to present it like a story, a narrative that has to be the, the guiding element. And we start with jazz and here establish Here's who I am coming, where I'm coming from and what the world 
kind of primarily knows me as. So it's like they come to see that, they get that. And then the, the middle section, we have like the rock and roll and the original music, which I guess would be the future. And the lasting element is the present, tying it all together with uh, this transgenre concept and putting it all together where it makes sense. And But the only way it makes sense is if an element from song to song is passed through. Like on the record, I Am What I Am starts bebop with some Baroque scatting in there, a fugue thing I wrote. But the scatting and the bebop then follows through to the next song, Closer, which is a funk fusion arrangement of the Nine Inch Nails tune, James Brown style, but there's that bebop element in there. So that's the way this works. It's So it doesn't come across as pastiche is to have some kind of lineage or through line of element through the, all these songs. Well, you know, it's funny because... <clears throat> I, I, I have listened to so many of your songs, watched a ton of videos to really grasp, and then it dawned on me. You know, if we look back in the areas of the blues genre, you had B.B. King, Albert King, Buddy Guy, the, the list mm-hmm. just goes on and on. Mm-hmm. But it was Stevie Ray Vaughan that really brought the blues genre into mainstream rock and roll. And I know there's a little bit of blue. There's a heavy blues flavor with ZZ Top. But Stevie Ray Vaughan really brought it forth to radio. Yeah. You are the only one that I believe today is the, is, is the, is the jazz. I won't say jazz singer because you, you are multi-flavored. (laughs) <laughs> when it comes to different styles of music. To Can't me, you are the only one that can take this genre and bring it into the mainstream to give us all something brand new to listen to that's just not run of the mill that we hear today. I appreciate that, man. I, I you know, and it's hard. To, I, I'm in some ways as diverse and broad as my show can be. I'm in some ways actually a pretty purist in these genres. Like, uh, it's it's one thing to like you know put a, a song and songs together and mash up style, but to do it in an authentic way that sounds like it was written in that era for that time by a Cole Porter or by a Stevie Wonder. I mean that's that's the purest in me. So I have this purist and I have this you know <laughs> the two monsters that war with each other. That uh, this was the only way to make it all make sense for me. And I mean if it if it translates into mainstream. I would be, of course, welcome that with great pleasure. But um, that wasn't the, technically really the goal. <laughs> if that happens, great. Uh, but I just had to do what was right for me um, and hope that well, the audience you're a, would go You're a superstar. I mean, <laughs> thank, you, thank got, you. I mean, seriously, you have the voice, which to me is the most important thing of all. You have a look that you've created on your own. And you have the stage presence to where you you want to watch you know you want to make sure that you're not missing anything and i watched one of your stage performances you sang a song do nothing till you hear from me it's very blues rock and you let out your best janice joplin in that song i mean when you decided to do that song what was the idea behind it um well that that song um for me personally like of course i speak just with my own you know, personal uh, experience. Um, just like a couple songs on, on this album, Don't Rain On My Parade, Do Nothing To Hear From Me. These are songs that even though Do Nothing To Hear From Me usually is played kind of, do nothing till you hear from me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
you know, that's the Duke Ellington uh, flavor on that. Um, and I still have that in the song with the horn arrangements that uh, myself and Dave Mann put together. But I, the lyrics to me had a different, maybe it's my age or the time I was born in, but the lyrics to me had a much more kind of uh, uh, raw and angsty kind of feeling like, you know, pay no attention to what's said. Like, don't listen to the haters. Don't listen to other people. You know, what's important is what what's right here. And that was kind of, in a way, like I experienced a lot, some backlash coming out. Right now it's, it's settled down. But when we first started doing the show, there was, some, of course, some backlash with the uh, fans that really wanted me to just sing jazz, which I appreciate they enjoy that part of me. But um, this song was kind of like a response to that. You know, I had to have one song that, you know, trying to be open and vulnerable, but making it universal enough that people can make their own, uh, ex put their own experience onto a song. I think that's a challenge as a, a performer and artist to do that. You want to be, you know, accessible, but. Was that scary to have <laughs> a loyal fan base and then do something a bit, a bit different than all of a sudden they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that, Veronica. We want to, we want to have you stick with the old stuff. But I like the new uh, Veronica Swift because you stand out amongst everybody else. And to me in music, I know that's part of marketing for some, but yours is just pure talent. I appreciate that. I mean, actually, this, this project is, you know, it, I think it's easier to market something that's ex really clear what it is. I mean... You know what I mean? Like right now it's like, wait, what is this jazz rock? <laughs> so I've been trying to help people along. Like, this is what it is. It's just the artist. That's the personality that is the glue of all these things. And that eventually catches on when you've had enough, you know, experience out there doing the thing. Um, in the beginning, people probably looking at Queen or Nina Simone, like, well, what is this? It's all over. Um, but no, I mean, it's always scary. You want to, you want to feel like, your fan base is right there along with you. And really the, the really true fan base are the ones that are, I mean, even if they don't like, I don't like jazz or I don't like rock, but I like what you do because it's you. I like you, you know, it's really the personality that carries this. And I think nowadays when with social media being so, except we're all accessible and personal um, and with music being so diverse and available, that makes it easier for artists to then it's about, the actual personality and not necessarily the genre, which is cool. That's like the time we're in. I'm excited. Like people say, I bet you wish you were, you're from like a different era. You're like from the old jazz Hollywood or the old rock and roll. Really? No, I'm from this era. It's just all of that is part of who I am, who you well, are. It's, it's growth. Too. I mean, and I yeah. understand that some artists have never left their genre and that's great. But yeah, at the same you know, time, I like when we see genres cross. I mean, when when bb king uh did angels in harlem with you too yeah uh, i love that cross i mean come on how many people even know that it was Stevie yeah. ray vaughn that played guitar on china girl for david bowie exactly yeah and that's what what this record is also it's you know it's just a love letter to the music i love but also it's kind of like a an educational experience too if you want to do that deep dive into each track I mean, we, uh, one of the songs in the album, The Show Must Go On, um, Nat King Cole had done, uh, had recorded the aria, Vesti La Juba, you know, the reedy 
Pagliaccio, Pavarotti. Um, Leon Cavallo's uh, Pagliacci aria. But Nat King Cole had re-recorded it and adapted it for a, a jazz trio. And that's, you know, something that maybe if you didn't know the aria, you don't care because that's a, that's just a great tune, Nat King Cole trio. But when I do this deep dive into these artists like China Girl or, or, or um, Laugh Cool Clown, I mean, I'm, it just, that's the stuff that gets me excited. And, oh, maybe like, ah, you can start making the connections yourself, you know, seeing that come together. But see, so, I like the fact that for you, and I, and I love this with any artist, that even if they took a cover and they rearranged it to where they made the song brand new, that if you had never heard the original, you would swear that you're listening to a whole brand new song. And, yeah. And even with your, your two current singles, you have Closer, like you'd mentioned, and then I Am What I Am. So I had to go back, and I so I went back to listen to Jerry Herman's version of I Am What I Am. And I was sitting there going, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. So, so I'm like, okay, this is the original. And then I'm listening to your version. How did you come up with your version? Because you make that song, like I just said, it sound like a brand new song. But that it's we've the never same heard melody, before. same, yeah. I mean, like I, the, the element is I just, it's like a game. Don't change the melody or the lyrics, but everything else you can, you know, there has to be some element of, of uh, consistency to pay homage to the original, like with Closer, it's the bass line, um, you know, uh, the original um, just sped up and faster. Sometimes when you change some element like tempo or, or a, a rhythmic style, or uh, even like a harmonic chord, like a reharmonization, but the melody and lyric is the same. Sometimes that can just write itself, if this makes sense. Um, for example, with with closer, uh, you know, that's a funk bass line. Come on, anybody knows Nine Inch Nails? That's like they're like a industrial rock funk band. I mean. So you, you speed it up and then you start to make connections. Oh, that sounds like a Clyde Stubblefield, uh, you know, James Brown drumming. Uh, and then you put the melody over on top, the original melody and lyrics, and suddenly you, the arrangement writes itself. I mean. Yeah, you know, when I was listening to it, and then, and of course, you alluded to this earlier uh, with your parents. How do you learn bebop? <laughs> I mean, how do you learn anything? You listen, you mimic the sounds, right? A baby learns a language, or not just a baby. When we're learning language, we, we, you know, someone, uh, dad, dad, you know, dad, dad. You know, you just copy, you mimic the sounds um, and try to get it. Pagliacci, you see GL, you think Pagliacci. But you know, no, Pagliacci, Pagliacci. You, you mimic the sound, right? Just like with, with listening to music. If uh, you're learning um, transcribing, which, you know, you're taking a solo and learning the notes and the phrasing, articulations, uh, you try to match not just the notes, but how the velocity of the, of the notes and how it's being played. I mean, these are the same things like accent inflections of speech. Just like I said, music is directly correlated with language like that. Well, and with so, bebop, are you are you yeah. following? 
are you following a chord progression or are you following the baseline or follow explain. all of it you want to yeah you you want to listen to and it, like i said it's not just with bebop but with bebop specifically because that's um you know i'm not a lot of bebop scat singers out there uh you know you you want to listen to every record you can get your hands on um if you know i would i always start young singers or musicians with lester young uh just because he he especially with singers he's a very vocal um you know linear kind of uh soloist and how he, he's almost singing while he's playing he literally <laughs> knows the lyrics of all the songs that he plays right um and you want to transcribe 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 that's like that's the first key with just listening to everything and and absorbing the language by osmosis and copying the sounds like that that or you're learning scales those are like grammatic kind of you know learning the conjugations of the language those are modes and scales so that's a bebop scale or the blue scale so knowing that you know having theory but not having a theoretical approach before you've trained your ear so the theory is there to inform what you're hearing and that for me has been how i've developed my See, I, I love the fact I, I love artists like you that take time to to research to listen uh, to arrange and and try new things uh when i was talking uh when i had interviewed your friend emmett cohen you know we got into Great the too. what now He's a great educator too. He knows how to, he, he's really eloquent as an educator. Well, it was funny because we, we got on the subject of big band and, and he explained how big band went down in size and to take a big band tunes. And he says, now how are we going to take this sound and then bring that same sound or recreate that sound as a trio? Right. Right. That's and a lot of like, yeah, And did it. And he pulled it off. And I was like, that's brilliant. And then people like um, composer uh, uh, Akim Horsley, who meshes Caribbean with classical. Yeah. And meshes two genres. And, and, and all of a sudden you're listening to something that is so fresh, so new. That's what that's what your music is like. I mean, when I was listening to the newest single, Closer, um, I was like, wow. I mean, this is everybody needs to hear stuff like this. I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm just celebrating the music I love and the lineage of all these great artists. And um, that's another thing is like, you know, to, to really get into a style or an artist, you know, the subtleties of an art artist that you like. Um, you have to trace who are they listening to? It doesn't just stop. Like if, you know, these young rock bands that nowadays, they're trying to do the glam and rock and roll thing. They're just, their buck stops at Aerosmith for them. You got to keep going. Who was Aerosmith checking out? Who were the Stones checking out? It's all, and really for me, it all comes back down to the blues. It, that seems to be the heart of all of this uh, music. Um, and of course, classical music too. But that's for me has been the greatest lesson in this project. Well, has has there ever been a song or songs that you were listening to and all of a sudden you had kind of like a eureka moment and went, wait a minute, what was that? And then 
either rewind or played it back and then played it before and like, never heard that before. And then take that element and to create a new song. Well, I mean, Eureka moment, I, I guess when I listen to anything, I'm one, I'm, I listen to it as a, just like an audience member and enjoy it for what it is. But then I also have that other side, the, um, and, and the analytical artist in me that's breaking down, trying to break down every instrument. What are they playing? What are they doing? Um, and arrangement wise, uh, for example, like, my, my version of Don't Rain in My Parade, um, Barbara Streisand, Funny Girl, you know, that song, like, don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. You know, that very specific kind of thing. But if you break down the element of just the lyric, don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy, the sun's a ball. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. And that eureka moment of looking at just the lyric, just one element broken down, like, Holy, holy moly, this is a, a punk song. So, and then you have that dun, 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 dun. And then you look at the arrhythmic element and all of a sudden you have Don't tell me not to live, just sit and put. There's the punk rock element there. It's really the same song, but, and taking elements of the arrangement and putting it into a different context. It's really, really fun to do that. Like, I guess you do have an Eureka aha moment, like, Oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and that's, go that's what I was asking because sometimes yeah. it just hits you or maybe you have a different totally. set of headphones and all of a sudden you're hearing something that you never yeah. heard before by just hearing it openly through speakers. You're right. You're absolutely right. Like, well, I listen, you know, we all listen on the earbuds or headphones, but I also have like my studio and we're listening on different studio monitors all the time. So we're constantly hearing different things. We were mixing the record. Uh, we tried to mix and on every possible stereo and the car test is also another one if it if it sounds good in the car or if it sounds good on your iphone speaker it'll probably sound good that, that's what that's what <laughs> dwight yoakam does he once yeah. he cuts the album he sticks it in in the car and sits there and listens and if it sounds good in the car you pretty much got a hit yeah exactly if you can hear all the, if you can feel the bass line rather than hear it sometimes i mean it depends on the tune but in the style of music but um yeah man well, you got it's a brand new album coming out, self-titled Veronica Swift. And I know that uh, you're doing some amazing covers, but you've added your own flavor to them. Uh, what will we expect to hear on this brand new album? Well, like, you know, the, every approach I take musically is, is um, arrangement wise, is how can I make this as a, you know, as a song as if I wrote it? I mean, just like with any great vocalist and interpreter of lyric how can i interpret this lyric as if it's mine and you know coming from my personal experience there's hence the acting element you know an actor is drawing on a role because of their personal experience so there is an element of them in that role or song um, and that's how i approach these arrangements but there's also two originals on this this is also a chance for me to show the world uh, my diverse my diversity as a songwriter as well there's a bossa nova uh, original on there that was take, uh, adapted from um, Turandot by Puccini, uh, Severed Heads. And then there's In the Moonlight, which was adapted from Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata, but it's like a soul rock kind of rendition called In the Moonlight. Um, and that's, I guess it's just, I'm honored to get the chance to tell my story and show my full self. But I want this record, people to take from this record that it's hard to be yourself. I mean, that's something we, <laughs> It seems like it's pressure now 
with everything, with how easy social media is to just be yourself, be yourself, but do it like this, follow these trends and follow this, get the algorithm, you know, be yourself, but like this. And I want this record to fight that, you know, we're, that's why I wear the battle gear on stage, like the army uniforms, because we're fighting that. I want this record, I want people to listen to it and feel like inspired to then, you know, embrace the full spectrum of who they are, no matter who tells them what to be or how to be. Well, you're a superstar. I mean, even <laughs> if you didn't have the stage outfits, your voice alone, I mean, carries you to new levels. Thanks. And man. have you ever thought about putting an acapella song on there? That's that is on an idea for the uh, album after this. Absolutely. Because yeah. I know you can do that, and and I have to bring up because your stage fashion really show you know it it's a bit yeah j ladies and gentlemen there it is uh, a little bit of David Bowie esque um, so where did the idea come from for the stage outfits very unjazz like well you know I mean if everything's a costume it's some you know even if it's an extension of who you are it's still there's a costume that we all wear. Sarah Vaughn or Ella, they had their gowns, right? There's a battle gear, right? The costume, the, the uniform, so to speak. And no matter who you are, I mean, Miles Davis was a character. He was himself, but he was a character. I mean, we all are characters in a sense. And David Bowie, perfect example of many characters from album to album. It was like, you know, like different, elements of and facets of his personality the whole david bowie right ziggy oh well yeah i mean we're going from you know ziggy stardust to china girl wearing the suit and the skinny ties but yeah. it worked yeah because it's all him you can you can tell i mean an audience especially like can tell when somebody's bsing you know or or uh putting on um it's one thing to be theatrical. I'm a theatrical person off stage. So when you know me, you see the show and it makes perfect sense. There's nothing put on about it. It's like literally I'm the same person on and off stage. But uh, you, if you saw my closet, you'd be like, oh, yeah, she wears this stuff day to day. I do. Look, <laughs> this is actually like I'll go to the grocery store dressed like this, you know. Um, but there is a, you know, a concept here. Um, I, I feel like Finally, I mean, I kind of have to be a superhero in a way. Um, there's like Clark Kent and Superman and there's Ronnie and then there's Veronica Swift. And to do this uh, to the, the level and degree I want to, I had, I feel at least right now, I have to step into those shoes. Um, what I'm doing is, going, is, is in real time, I'm seeing it uh, affecting people in a positive way. Um, it's inspiring artists to then also do multi-genre concepts and, and works. And, you know, people feel like I, as human beings, I feel like I have to label myself. I'm this, I'm that, I'm gay, I'm straight, I'm Republican or Democrat. And I want to show people that they don't have to, if that's what they feel, they want to embrace the full spectrum, right? So that's why I wear the, the superhero uniforms and the battle gear, you know, because I, I feel like I am assuming this this persona, this, this superhero that I had, we have powers as performers. Well, <clears throat> you are a superhero who is a superstar. And if you were to choose three people that you would love to do a duet with, who would those three be? 
Yeah, well, definitely Brian May. That's always the number one, you know. Um, when I listen to Queen, when I was learning uh, Queen repertoire, I would look at my favorite numbers and they were actually written by Brian May. I would have thought they, my favorite, favorite songs would have been Freddie songs, but they're actually Brian songs. Um, of course, sung by Freddie too, but, um, and they all bring their, their elements to the songs, but I just love the way he approaches songwriting. It's, and, and composing, not just songwriting, it's composition. Um, so that would be a dream for sure. Um, and actually, you know, it's a, it's a collaboration that may be happening because of my association with the Dresden Dolls, but I would hope to do a collaboration with the Dresden Dolls. Um, my drummer and producer, Brian Viglione, is the drummer of that band. So that may be hopefully what happened with me and Amanda getting together and writing something. When I was a kid in middle school, I was such a, a weirdo, you know, artsy, fartsy, freako kid. I didn't really fit in anywhere. And that band was what I found as a 13 year old. I found, oh my gosh, you can be completely yourself and not have to, you know, fit in, so to speak. And that was the band that inspired me in that way. Well, if I was to compare you with an artist of today, the only person that would come close would be Lady Gaga. Except Yes, she's also number three. That's my number three right there. <laughs> well, yeah. well, see, and to me, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't think radio could handle both of you on the same song. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, shoot, man, like we could do a jazz collaboration. We could do a rock and roll collaboration. Cause you, I mean, you hear her sing like rock and roll, black dog. She kills in that genre. She's, she's also someone multi-genre that, um, you know, her, her name is her artistry. Her name is her genre. She doesn't fit into a specific Well, it's category. funny because, you know, there was that tiny, tiny little rumor where they some people were predicting that maybe Lady Gaga would have been the front person for Queen. And I'm like, I remember that would work. I mean, yeah. it would work on monstrous <laughs> proportions that it would work. I would go see that. And I've seen original yeah. Queen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually have, I mean, even behind me um, in a cabinet, um, I have Freddie Mercury's towel. No way. How did you? With, oh, because he threw it out in the audience. Yeah, with makeup. <laughs> My God. And and if I, a, if I if I that was from the tour of the game. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, so, that's actually uh, you know, one crazy of my thing. Songs on the yeah, mm -hmm. crazy thing called love, and uh, of course we don't bring up the Save you me. know the song they never played, "Don't Try Suicide," but that was still a great song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Save me. Save me. That's right. That's yeah, my favorite on See, that album. And honestly, it's a B side, or but a "Sail Away, Sweet Sister." Brian May singing. That's also one of my favorite tunes by Queen. Have you ever thought about cutting that? I am uh, working on it. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, oh. folks. No. Oh my goodness, you are absolutely amazing. And ladies and gentlemen, Veronica Swift can sing the phone book and make it a number one hit. Uh, I'm already a fan because I, I have the I have the honor and the joy to research every song, every video, and and really get to know these artists not just here as the interview but as as a fan who loves to like you know well expand my own uh, musical genre of listening 
And uh, Veronica Swift is going to be at the top of your list. And she has one of the most original voices, original style, and gives performances that many up-and-coming artists will want to copy. So just be on the lookout for that. But there's only one original, and that's Veronica Swift. So look, as they say, there's nothing new under the sun, but Veronica Swift is from a whole different musical planet. And Veronica, I want to thank you so much for spending time with me today. Oh my gosh, thanks. For, this has been a you know, really fun interview for me because, you know, I mean, coming up, I'm starting to get really interesting interviews happening now, but coming up, it was all a whole bunch of, so where are you from? You're from, you know, you were born in Charlottesville, Virginia. What was it like here and there? But, you know, these questions are, this is, this is the real stuff right here. This is the really fun questions to answer. And just to get in like a, off a tangent and see where the conversation takes you. I mean, thank you. This has been really fun. Thanks for letting me uh, get to tell my story on your show. Well, you were so, I mean, you know, for me, it's all shining a light on all of my guests and today shining the light on you. And it's more than just coming from a small town in Virginia, uh, which sometimes that's where the story actually begins. But you, seriously, Veronica, you are (laughs) a one of a kind. You are not afraid to step out and do things that are different, which is a major plus today because I get, tired of boring recording artists no names mentioned because i only have great people on this show so uh, nobody boring has ever been on the show <laughs> so. yeah, you can say that again <laughs> and, the, and they all have a story that's the thing you know a really and that's unique the story. point and see you're young and you know i i've i've interviewed legends and of course there's stories after stories after stories there but even when someone is as young as you are uh, and I've interviewed people who are even younger. And, and then I ask them, well, how long you been doing this? Well, I've been doing this 15 years. And I'm like, and how old are you? Yeah, I'm but at again, 20 now. Yeah. And, but you are a wealth of experience. And I can't even imagine what your talent is going to be like five years, 10 years from now. I don't know if, if music can handle with what's inside of you, because again, to me, you are a monstrous superstar and the world better get ready because you, Veronica Swift, are going to conquer everything in music that, uh, well, you put your voice to. Wow. Well, thank you for putting it like that. I, <laughs> I just got to, I just sing songs. <laughs> No, yes, I, I, and you do more than sing them well. No, I, I will say. I mean, even when you're you. sitting here and you just come off with the acapella, I'm sitting here absolutely stunned and amazed because you are absolutely incredibly amazing. Oh, thank you. It, it, it's taken a lot of courage to do this. Um, like I said, it takes a lot of courage to be yourself, and uh, I'm just so grateful that the fan base I have has been going along right there with me on the ride, and you know. Whether we're playing for three people or 3,000 people, whatever it is, I mean, there are people there singing the songs to some of these songs that hadn't even been released yet because, you know, you know, a good, you, you write a good song when no one's ever heard it, but then they're singing along to it. Like, you know, to me, that's a really good indication of, okay, th- this will be a good song. <laughs> and I'm excited. I'm going to get to do my original music. And you're saying 
uh, that uh, I'm original and this and that, but I, I have not yet gotten to do an all original project yet. So that may be on the horizon. Oh, I'm sure it will be. And I cannot wait to listen to your brand new album coming out in September. And ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to wait till September to listen to Veronica Swift. So you need to head over to veronicaswift.com, check out all of her music, her videos, and seriously, you have to watch the videos because once you watch them, that when she comes to your area, you will want to buy a concert ticket and go see her in person. So check out her tour schedule. If you love jazz that is soulful, full of energy, rock and roll and blues and bebop, well, that'll blast you out of your seat. So look no further than the very extraordinary Veronica Swift. Veronica, again, thank you for being on today. No, thank you for having me. Seriously, it's been been a pleasure talking to you. Well, you you are always welcome back on the show. Just just oh, give me a ring you. and we'll make it happen. And as for you, ladies and gentlemen, again, head over to veronicaswift.com. Check out one of the most amazing voices that will ever fill your ears and make your, well, you probably make your heart skip a beat. So that's our show for today. And I'll see you next time.